Hey, New Life family, it's so great to be back with you again this weekend. We wanted to uh, give a big shout out to all of our online listeners or watchers all the way across the country, especially right here at the Central Valley of California, and to New Life Patterson. It's great to see you. Hey, we've made some progress in our campus. I know Sean and his team have been over there. We got some speakers hung up in the air, and it looks really good. We're just a few weeks away. I know I say that every single week, but every week, we are one week closer, all right, to getting in our own building. So keep your prayers coming for the safety and protection of our, uh, of our, of our workers and also for favor, favor with the city, favor with the county, uh, that we can continue moving forward. And thank you so much for all that you do in helping us get in there. Hey, uh, go ahead and take out your phones. We're going to dive right into this. This is uh, Child Dedication Weekend. So at both of our campuses live, uh, we are dedicating children to the Lord uh, right now as we speak. And so we just want to give a shout out to all those parents who are dedicating their children to God this weekend at both the Turlock and Patterson campus. Uh, you're making a great decision in saying that we know that our children are given to us by you, Lord, and we want to dedicate them back to you. But go ahead and take out your phone and check in. Also, go ahead and uh, pull up the New Life app. Click down in the right lower, uh, the lower right-hand corner where it says Connect. Pull up weekend resources in today's date because that's how we keep up with the sermon notes here during our messages. And so we're going to be giving those fill-ins later on during the message. Like always, uh, some of the housekeeping items. Uh, Text the word prayers. About a year ago, we adopted the uh, the text number 30500. So if you have any prayer needs, you can text the word prayers, P-R-A-Y-E-R-S to 30500 for any prayer needs that you have. Uh, also, for the for any updates happening here at both of our campuses, you can just text the word update to that same number. And also, if you ever make a decision to follow Jesus, you can text the word decision to 30500, and we will connect with you and put some resources in your hand to help you on your journey with Jesus. Um, and then lastly, we just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and your generosity. We've been in a generosity series here for the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue that today. But however you decide to give back to God through New Life, we want to say thank you. Whether you mail that in, the, the mailing address is uh, on the screen right now as I'm talking, uh, or you can just pull up your phone, pull up the, your computer, go to our website, go to our app, and you can give that way as well. But we know over what we've been talking about over the last three weeks, that giving is a hard issue. And it's somewhere where God wants us to get because it is indeed an act of worship. So thank you, those of you who have been continuously worshiping God in the area of generosity and your giving. We could not do what we do without you. Hey, at the end of our message, we are going to be doing communion. Okay, you can see I have my communion elements here. This is the first weekend of the month, which is when we do communion. So during, you can push pause or you can go and get those right now as we're introducing the message for today. Your elements, uh, uh, get your, your crackers and your juice. Whatever you decide to, uh, to take as your elements for communion. But we're going to be doing that at the end of the message uh, this weekend. So we just want to go ahead and prepare you uh, for that. So you can begin to prepare your hearts and your minds for what that means. It's something that we do. We, take, uh, uh, we do that uh, the first weekend of every month. And we love doing it together as a faith family. And you say, man, I miss doing it together. Because the word communion means to get together and to do this. And so 
we have our, our live services here on the weekends at 10 a.m. in the north building of the Turlock campus. We would love for you to join us. Uh, if you are still in lane one, we want you to stay safe. We know that many people have underlying health issues and COVID has not gone away yet. Uh, but if you want to, you know, some, however you feel about vaccinations or social distancing, uh, we cannot wait till we can once again be together in a safe environment, worshiping God together as a faith family. We're looking forward to that day. Okay. Uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians. Okay. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote many, many letters to people and to towns and cities and provinces that he went into during his missionary journeys and set up churches. And then when he got back home or whether he was in prison, he wrote many letters to those churches. And so he wrote two different letters to the people living in the city of Corinth. And we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. If you want to go ahead and turn in that in your Bible, or maybe you have that on your device, you can do that as well. And uh, we're going to continue uh, our series about being unstrapped. And today we're actually wrapping up this series because we have a one-off we have a one-off message next week. Let me just set you up for next week. Next week, uh, we we are going to be talking about shame and how. Uh, Many of us, even though we consider ourselves followers of Jesus, we still walk around and carry our shame from our past. So next week, I'm going to be doing a message titled, Shake the Shame. Get rid of that shame. Shake that shame. And we're going to be doing that next weekend. So make sure you tune in next week uh, for that one-off message. It's also going to be Mother's Day. And uh, we just want to celebrate all of our moms out there next week. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, with everything going on in our culture... Uh, some of us are still able to find hope and life and freedom, uh, regardless about what's going on. I've had a couple of, uh, of separate conversations with people that say, Jeremy, I'm almost, I'm almost afraid to talk about how God has blessed my family over the last year. I know there's a lot of families out there that's hurting. I know people have lost their jobs and their homes and everything because of COVID. They've been forced to move. Some of them have even lost family members because of COVID. But God has richly blessed my family and I over the last year. How do I talk about that? And I always tell them, listen, don't you ever be afraid of talking about God's blessings. Now, you're not going on the house and saying, look, you know, everybody's doing horrible except for me. That's not what they're doing. They're just saying, how do I embrace the blessings uh, that God has given my family and I over the last year. And I just say to them, embrace it. Rejoice and find joy in how God has been honoring and blessing your family. Even in the midst of this crazy pandemic and in a crazy economy and in our finances and our resources, some of you have been really freaked out as we've been talking about finances, mixing money with faith over the last couple of weeks. But guess what? You're still watching. You're still listening, so congratulations. You've made it to week three, the closing, uh, the closing message of this series. Because fear can grab a hold of us, can it? Fear can grab, uh, so can hold so tightly onto us, it can cause us to do the opposite of what we should do. About a year ago, uh, not, not, not about a year ago, back in August of last year, we went um, uh, uh, ziplining. And uh, in Northern California. And one of the things they tell you is that, look, you're going to go really fast. And there was times where we were 30 feet, 40 feet up in the air, but, but one of them we were about 200 feet in the air for a quarter of a mile. All right, 200 feet suspended in the air for a quarter of a mile. And they said, if you start going really fast, you start spinning a little bit, tuck your knees up and do not grab the cable. 
Because a lot of people in fear, when they get going too fast, they start spinning around. And one of the first things they want to do is grab that cable. And they said, do not grab the cable. Uh, several years ago, I went whitewater rafting, and they said, if you fall out of the rapids, by the way, whitewater rapids are, are, are uh, they're, 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 they have a category of one to five, five being the most dangerous. We went down category four. I'd never been whitewater rafting before. This is in Colorado, down the Arkansas River. We went when the rapids were category four, and they said, if you get tossed out of your raft and you get kind of caught in that whirlpool of rapids, which, which by the way, the one that I did fall out of the raft and get caught in was called the widow maker. Yes, the widow maker is the one that I fell out. They said, don't try to swim out of it. Now, I'm a pretty good swimmer. I was a lifeguard. I taught swim lessons. But they said, do not try to swim out of it. Tuck yourself up into a ball. The rapids, the rapids will spit you out. Sure enough, I fall out. I'm caught in the widow maker. I tucked into a ball and it worked. But my natural instinct was to try to swim out of this thing at first. Um, many of you living in northern or in the Central Valley of California have no idea what it's like to actually drive on ice. But one of the first things you're supposed to not, that you're not supposed to do when you hit ice is hit your brake. But we instinctively do that a lot. Now, when I lived in Wisconsin, we drove on ice for six months out of the year. So they know how to drive on ice. But here, when you panic, the first thing you do is hit the brake. You're not supposed to do that. Those kinds of instructions sometimes feel counterintuitive, don't they? Our fear and our first instinct is to do the very opposite of what is supposed to bring us to safety. It's the same thing when it comes to our money. We get fearful, we get paralyzed and afraid, and no matter what the Bible says, no matter what God's promises are to us, we, we, we clutch tighter to our money, getting more and more strapped to what we have because we're afraid that we might lose it. And God says, whoa, trust me in this. And that's why this is such a great time to talk about money and getting free from the fear and the lies and the traps that often come with finances. This is an area that we can really be free. This is the moment where we can say, in what do I believe? Instead of saying, in what do I believe? In who do I really believe? Instead of saying, what am I going to hold on to? It should be, in whom am I going to hold on to? You see, God is inviting us to come and get unstrapped from all that's holding us tight. And so today, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read, I'm going to start in verse 6. I'm going to read every other verse. And then we're going to come back later and fill in the gaps. But I want all of us to hear what God is trying to say to us and this promise that he's made to us through the Apostle Paul to the people of Corinth and also to us. So I'm going to read verses 6, 8, 10, and 11. Okay, here we go. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will give you many opportunities to do good. And he will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched so that you can give even more generously. So this weekend, I want to talk about three things, three things that begin to happen in our lives when we think beyond ourselves with our own resources. 
So here's your first fill-in for this weekend. When I think beyond myself, number one, I can give without fear. I can give without fear. So first he says, when you give, God blesses you. This is also called the law of the harvest, which is planting and reaping. We understand that at some level, don't we? But then he turns around, Jesus, and applies it, or the Apostle Paul, the Jesus through the Apostle Paul, and then applies it to our finances. He says, when you give, you will be blessed, just like when you plant a seed and get a harvest. When he talks about seeds here, he's clearly talking about our finances. But what is the harvest that you get in planting seeds? In some cases, it's financial. We can see some of that. But that's not just it. There's also a relational harvest, the harvest of a changed life. We get a harvest from investing into the lives that's been changed. We get to see a faith family like ours being built right here at New Life. We get to see care for the poor and for the needy, both locally and around the world. We're seeing that with the, with the Church Without Walls food pantry. We get to see the world change, the lives change. When we invest into others, the harvest comes in. Paul then tells us that there's this correlation between how much we give and how much we receive. If we plant a little, we get a little. If we plant a lot, then we get a lot. Okay, it's not that complicated. Now, I understand that when we talk about this, we see all kinds of crazy stuff. We see all kinds of craziness out there that abuse this mentality. We hear all kinds of crazy claims that's trying to suck the money right out of us. And to be honest with you, some of it's not even biblical. Instead, it's a, it's a selfish, self-absorbed, greedy ministry that's not doing it in Jesus' name. They're actually missing the whole truth of the Bible because the Bible does not encourage selfishness or greed. The Bible teaches that if we plant a seed in time, there comes a harvest. So what's the point of this passage? The point that Paul is trying to make is that this is good news for fearful givers. Okay, if you're a fearful giver, this is good news for you. For all of you who are strapped I mean, you're strapped in for dear life and are afraid of what might happen if you begin to give, if you begin to trust God with your finances. God is saying to us this weekend, this is good news for us. That when we give, we're going to receive a return. That's a promise. Our life is going to be changed. That God is going to provide for us. We don't need to be afraid to give. That we're safe. That there is safety in being generous. There's safety in our giving. You might be thinking, well, but it feels like I'm losing something, Jeremy, when I give. And I get that. But let me ask you this. Does a farmer lose something when he plants his seeds? No. He doesn't lose. He has the promise that there's a harvest that's coming. The point for the farmer isn't to hold on to his seed It's to have a bountiful harvest. That's what the Bible is saying here. God is making this declarative and affirmative claim to those of of, uh, anybody out there listening who might be afraid to give. He's saying, if you give, I'm going to give it back to you. I will bring blessing and I will take care of you. Now, I want us all just to kind of sit back for a moment. I want us to hear the words uh, of truth that I read just a few minutes ago. I want to read them again, all back to back. And think about in the midst of uncertain times, this is the truth of, uh, of Jesus speaking to us. 
through Paul. Verses 6, 8, 10, and 11. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And I will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For I'm the one who gives seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, I will give many opportunities to do good and I will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You will be enriched so that you will be able to give even more generously. If you want to grow in Christ, it begins with our trust. All relationships begin with trust. All relationships need to grow in trust. Think about it. We trust God with our heart. We trust God with our eternity. We trust God with our families. And then somehow we mistrust God when it comes to our money and our finances. And that's the point. That, that's, where, that's where a lot of you are today. This is the issue that will set you free, okay? So that's point number one. Number two, when I think beyond myself, I can grow in my giving. So number one is I can give without fear. Now I can grow in my giving. So the big question that we get a lot as pastors is how much? Pastor, how much am I supposed to give? I love Paul's answer to this, okay? This is where we're going to come back to some of the scriptures that we skipped over. This is verse 7. You must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Great answer. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Paul says, how much are you supposed to give? That's up to you. That's your decision. You've got to decide. You've got to come to a decision point. Nobody is going to go through your accounts and say, okay, based on your accounts, this is how much you should be giving. No one's going to do that for you. You have to decide that. It's a choice that you need to make. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because God loves a cheerful giver. You see, when it comes to our giving, it can actually be broken down into three different parts. Okay, part number one is this. Make giving a priority. Make giving a priority. I shared a couple of weeks ago that there are two types of givers. Remember back a couple of weeks ago? There's the ones who live their life. They do everything that they want to do. They pay all their bills. They do all this. And then if there's anything left over, then that's what they'll give to God. And remember, we said that if that's you, you're probably, you'll hardly ever get to the part where you're truly giving. It's going to be always like tossing change to God, kind of like throwing the uh, change in the guitar case of the street performer. That's the way that we're going to be giving to God. It's basically good intentions that never gets to the action part of your giving. That's not being a good steward or a good manager of God's resources that he's given us, okay? That's one type of giver. The other type of giver makes it a priority to give, okay? This type of giver decides that the first transfer that he or she is gonna make, that gets the, uh, 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 from, from their check that gets deposited from their employer, the first check that's ever written after payday goes to God. When you do that, you're gonna be shocked at how God honors you. You're going to be shocked at how God blesses you. You're going to be shocked to see what happens, how God will take the left, what's left, 
when you give to him first, you are going to be amazed at how God stretches what's left over to take care of what the whole amount ever could. You see, Janet and I learned a long time ago that we would much rather surrender to God 10% and live off the 90% with him than try to live off 100% without him. We found a tremendous amount of peace and security and joy and protection from the 90% with him than we ever could with the 100% without him. Malachi 3.10, we read this last week. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. You see, we found in our own personal lives, maybe this is true for you as well, is that we have automated the important in our lives. You know, Dave Ramsey, if you follow Dave Ramsey, he says, you know, the five most important things in your, in your life are food, shelter, clothing, transportation, and utilities. In that order. And then I know later on he's added the tithe to that. But we automate those things. We know that we have a house payment coming up. We know that we have a car payment. We know it takes gas to get to work. We know that we need to put food on the table, that we have to, clo that we have to put clothes on before we leave the house. We know all of those things are important. So we set aside a certain amount every month because we know that's automatically coming out. Those things are automated. And I feel like God is sometimes saying, wait, whoa, whoa. Am I in that list? What about me? Because if you put me first, I'll make sure you have enough for the rest of those things. I'll take care of the rest if you'll just put me first. We automate the important. Now, second part of my giving is that there should be an, intent, we, there should be an intentionality on deciding on a plan. Um, how I'm going to give, okay? Giving reluctantly or under pressure, as Paul puts it, comes when we haven't made a decision about our giving. Those types of pressures, those type of reluctant, reluctancies come when I haven't made a plan about how I'm going to begin to give to God. See, you can, you can make giving a priority but without a plan, and then your giving is just all over the map. There's going to be a battle every single week when you decide to turn and surrender and trust God with what belongs to him. You're going to have in the back of the, your mind, well, this is due, this is due, this is due. There's going to be this constant struggle, this constant battle instead of investing into the kingdom of God. Making a plan means setting aside a percentage to give. After all, we put that much thought and prayer into many other things. And Jesus is saying to us this weekend that, look, this money thing, it matters. The Bible gives us a guideline of the tithe, which means 10%. Why did God choose 10%? We don't exactly know theologically why he chose the 10%. At least I don't know that. But I think it's because God knows that 10% is, is about that number that keeps us trusting him with our finances. It keeps us trusting him that he's going to provide for our needs. It's about that place. 10% is about that place that keeps me wandering too far from thinking that, from knowing that he's going to provide for me. But Paul says this, decide for yourself. 
Make a decision. Paul is not canceling the tithe when he says this. He's saying do not let the tithe constrain you. It's not just paying a bill to God. It's being honest. It's being obedient and faithful to everything that he's placed in our lives, to everything that he's given to us and placed in our hands. Listen to this very disappointing statistic. Across the United States, only about 2%, 2% of people who attend church regularly actually give a biblical tithe. 2%. Imagine what could happen if everyone watching me today, if everyone listening to the sound of my voice could be faithful and obedient in the biblical tithe. Imagine the lives that we could change for the kingdom right here in Patterson, California and beyond, all up and down the I-5 corridor. How many lives we could change if we all surrendered an actual biblical tithe to God and watched his plan work through us. But some of us, a tithe, 10%, it's not even possible. Because of our debt, because we've lived beyond our means for way too long, some of us are lucky just to keep all the financial balls that we have up in the air right now. I get that. Sometimes we, we're in that financial predicament because of our own healthy choices, of our own unhealthy decisions. We get ourselves into the position that we can't be obedient. So where can you start? Where can you start today? Paul says this, make a, make a decision. Just decide. The point is to start somewhere. The Bible gives the guideline of the tithe or, the, or 10%, but maybe you could start with 2%. Maybe you sit down with your spouse and you say, you know what, we could actually do 5%. But the goal is to grow in that. In a few months, you can do 6% and then 10% by the end of the year. I don't know where it is for you, but Paul is saying, make a decision. Begin. Start somewhere. Take a step of faith. Trust in the God who has given you everything. For the last two weeks, we've said that everything that we have already belongs to God. And Paul is saying, take a step and begin to surrender a portion, a percentage of that back over to him. A cheerful giver is one who has made giving a priority and has intentionally decided on a plan to put it into action. And then the third part of our giving is this. Take the next step in giving. Take the next step in giving. If you're watching and if you're, if you're waiting for a feeling before you begin giving, you may never start. Giving a tithe, giving a true tithe, like we said, it's not a bill. It's saying, okay, it's, it's, not, get, it's not getting to the point where you give 10% and you say, okay, I've reached my 10%, so this is as far as God is asking me to come. No, grow in your thinking, grow in your giving. God has challenged me as your pastor to challenge you to move forward with your giving. How are you growing in what you're surrendering over to God? I spoke with a guy several years ago, had a very lucrative business. I mean, he owned his own business that was doing very, very well. He was a financial planner, had zero debt, two houses, one in this state, one down in Florida, brought in an astronomical amount of money every year, was extremely generous to the church. 
But one day we went out to lunch and he admitted to me, he said, Jeremy, I'm not even giving a 10, I'm not even giving a tithe of my income. I'm not, I'm not giving a true biblical 10% of what God is asking me. I'm like, are you kidding me? Look how God has blessed you. Look at your houses, look at your life, look at your cars, look at, look at your, your, your business that is, that, that is doing amazingly well. And you're holding back from giving what belongs to the Lord? And he looked at me, he said, you know what? No one's ever challenged me. And I said, well, I'm challenging you today, buddy. You need to be surrendering over to God what truly belongs to him. As a pastor, there are times when there's been a crisis or a need and I've, I've stood up to you and I've given you the opportunity to give and take a step of faith and give towards those things beyond your normal giving. We've done that for world missions and for, uh, uh, for missions in Mexico. We've, we've, we've dug wells in other countries and we've, we've paid down $1.5 million in medical debt for families all across the Central Valley a couple of years ago. You stepped up to the challenge this isn't a chance for you to take what you already give and then start splitting it up and all these different ministries. No, we're challenging you to say, what are you giving now and what can you give on top of that? What can you do above and beyond to take your percentage and to increase it, to take it up a notch? He gives us all a chance to keep moving forward in our giving. The most cheerful and blessed people I know are the ones who continuously take the next step in how they surrender over to Jesus. People who, who tithe and give, and then they take it to the next step, going 11%, 12%, 15%, 20%. I know a couple back in the church, that, in the campus that I, that I pastored back in Wisconsin, gave 30% of their income, zero debt. And they said, this is what we feel like God is calling us to do right now. The tithe isn't the stopping point. It's the place that keeps our hearts right and our priorities straight. I love that I've been able to talk so freely about this. I actually had a couple come up to me last weekend and say, hey, about this money thing. And I thought, oh. And they said, thank you for your boldness. Thank you for speaking so free. Because there is freedom in giving. Because we serve a giving God. He gave us life for humanity when he created Adam and Eve and he breathed life into man. That was him giving us life. And then he went above and beyond and gave his son as a sacrifice so that we can have a restored relationship with him. He is a giving God and he's calling us to be givers. There's joy in moving forward. If I could go back and collect all the people that I've helped begin this journey of giving who are reluctant at first, man, they would talk about how much joy it's bringing, you, bringing them. They would talk about how much freedom it's given them. And they just want to keep, keep growing in their giving. And you think, well, Jeremy, these are all just rich folks, right? No, it's the complete opposite. Most are the opposite of what society would deem as rich. People just like you and I. The point for most of us here is just to get in the game, to start somewhere, to take a step, to decide that you're going to be a giver and then to go for it. God tells us that we will not lose when we give. Even though you may be afraid right now, faith is facing your fear and holding on to God's promises. 
Okay, here's your last filling for the weekend. Then we're, we're going to wrap up and go to communion. So if you want to get your communion elements ready. The third thing that happens when I think beyond myself is that I can receive God's overflowing abundance for my life. In Luke 6, 38, these are the words of Jesus. Listen, if you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. That's a, an amazing, amazing image that Jesus gives us to imagine a container and you fill it up and then you shake it and you press it down and then you put more in it and you just keep doing that until finally it overflows and Jesus is saying, that's how it's going to be given back to you. As you give, it's going to be given back to you. So this weekend, I'm challenging you. Are you ready to get unstrapped? Are you tired of living on the edge and living in fear? Don't you desire to put yourself in that position and place where God is already blessing? He's promised to provide for you. He's promised to care for you. He's promised that as you respond to his invitation to live in generosity, to live with open hands out, not closed fist and in, that he will provide for you over and over again and again, not just here and now, but in the kingdom ways and in the kingdom come for kingdom impact. Hey, go ahead and take your elements. Like I said, this is the first of the month and hopefully you've had time to go and get those. If not, you can hit pause, come back, press play. We'll be right here when you come back. We never want to go through our time of communion just flippantly. We want to make sure that we honor that time. And uh, you'll next week, I actually talk a little bit about this moment, this time that Jesus was spending with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And he kind of went through, um, I think it was, it was, it was the moment, it was the last moment that Jesus knew that he was going to be with all 12 of them at the same time, the all 12 disciples at the same time. And so he was really uh, in awe and in reverence of this opportunity and, and in this moment. And as he was looking around, and I just imagined that the 12 of them were in conversation and they just finished dinner, what we call the Last Supper. And he takes his loaf of bread and he pinches off a piece and he begins to pass it around and he says, I want everybody to take a pinch, everybody to take a piece of this loaf of bread that represents my body that's gonna be sacrificed for you. And every time that you take this, every time that you do this, remember, remember the sacrifice that I, that I paid, that my body was broken for your sin and that I paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice for all your sins. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for voluntarily allowing your body to be broken for our sins. Thank you for taking the punishment, Lord. Thank you, Father, for taking my place, taking my place of punishment, for sacrificing your body for me in my stead. I bless you for that today. In your name, amen. Let's eat together.
And in the same manner, he took his cup and he took a drink. And I love what he says. The next time we take a drink, next time we drink wine together, boys, we're going to do it together in the glory in heaven. But for right now, this juice represents the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed for our sin. You know, if you do any study all the way back in the Old Testament, when they would bring their sacrifices to the priest, they would cut the lamb and they would do all these things with the meat and the fat and they would just separate it all out. But they had to allow that blood to pour out into the ground and they would sprinkle it on the altar. They would sprinkle it here. They would sprinkle it there. There's an enormous amount of information there. But what Jesus was communicating is that within the next 24 hours, his blood was going to be spilled out for all of humanity, not just for one or two of them, for you and for me. Because that blood symbolized sacrifice. That blood symbolized atonement, what we say in the church world, covering all the sins, past, present, and future. And Jesus says, this this juice symbolizes my blood poured out for humanity, for the sins of humanity. Jesus, thank you for you are the ultimate sacrifice. You are the true lamb of God. Thank you. Thank you for redeeming us back to the Father. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let's drink. Will you bow your heads one last time for with me and pray. Father, thank you so much for educating us and allowing us to live unstrapped. Father, we know that the, uh, the topic of finances, the topic of money is a very important one to you because sometimes we get so overwhelmed that we're so held captive by our finances. Lord, you want us to live in freedom with that. And Father, beginning right now on this On this weekend, as we close out this series, Father, we live in freedom. We live in the freedom to be able to give to you, Lord. Help us, Father, to break the chains of debt, to break the chains of of captivity, Lord, that's held us back from being able to give, Lord. Father, we just, Father, we, we, we come out of that debt. We come out of those chains, Lord, so that we can freely give what really belongs to you anyway. Help us to live into that. Help us find the freedom in being a a generous people to surrender back to you, to trust you with what you've given us. Father, I know that we're going to get testimony after testimony. We're going to get emails and text messages and conversations on how you have been able to free some of us who've been held in the captivity of debt or this fear, Lord, that's kept us from, from giving. Some of us aren't even in debt, Lord. We're just afraid to give. And Father, right now, you're breaking those chains of fear. And you're allowing us to surrender that, to surrender that over to you, Father. You're accepting it right now. And Father, as we give, you're going to give it back to us, Lord. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing in our lives so that we can bless others with the overflow of what you have given us. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you. We recognize today that you are our king and that everything in our life already belongs to you. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us again online. Uh, Don't forget that next weekend, 
Uh, we are going to be doing a special one-off for Mother's Day. We're going to be talking about shaking the shame out of our lives. So make sure you tune in. All the announcements that we talked about, the word prayers and update and decision to 30500. And don't forget, if you never started, if you've never started the spiritual discipline, the spiritual worship of giving, I want to challenge you to begin that this weekend. You can do it online through our app or through our website, or you can mail that in. But we just want to say thank you so much for joining us, and make sure you stay up to date with everything that's happening. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.